I'm about to speak. Um, we pray that God will continue to bless the ministry of the boys and girls and the young people in every aspect of this church. It's great to see you. In, in Arena Church, uh, as Paul led us, we, we like to break bread. It's something we do. It's right at the core of the church, Acts 2.42. They devoted themselves to the breaking of bread, amongst other things. One of the other things that we like to do is we like to receive something from the Word of God because one of the things they also did was they devoted themselves to the Apostles' teaching, to the teaching, the laying in of the Word. This is not a lecture. It's not a speech. It's not even a talk. It's not trying just to engage our minds, friends, but we believe that the Word of God comes to put something into us, to change us forever. It's, it's what... Old preachers used to call impartation. The word of God is not talking about God. It's to confront us with God. So that we might be changed forever. And so I just want you to be encouraged over the next few minutes. You may know nothing about the Bible. Just to open up your hearts and let God's word speak to you. Maybe a phrase, a sentence, a thought. It may be the Bible verse that goes up in a moment. But just something that will ignite something in your heart. And if you're a believer then I think this message this morning will also have some relevance to us. And uh, we pray that it will encourage you and bless you. So over the last uh, few weeks, as we've been increasingly moving into the autumn of, uh, of this time of the year, we've, we've taken two or three short, sharp series that have reflected something of the impact of an early summer visit for some of the people in the church to a prevailing church in another nation and applying it to the arena church context. So we talked about purpose, finding the bullseye of our lives and living on purpose to give, to serve and to love. And the last two weeks we talked about pray first. Me and then last week, courtesy of a video, Pastor Chris Hodges, pastor of the Church of the Highlands Church in the southern states of America, planted a church in 2001 and today 31,000 people gathering at various campuses around the state of Alabama a great move of God one of the things that is so important and we do it on a Sunday morning a group of us gather around about quarter to ten the core team particularly responsible to just make today work we pray first some of some of us maybe all of us already prayed before we prayed there but we committed the day to God uh, because we realize that prayer is so important. We don't want to overcomplicate it. We don't want to make it overly technical. But we want to encourage everybody in the church to continually engage with the prayer atmosphere. If you've got to go to the doctors this week, pray first. If you're going for a job interview, pray first. If you've got a difficult meeting, pray first. Just make it part of your life. And let's see what God will do as we pray first. And over the next few weeks, before we come to our main Christmas season, I've mentioned the word. Yeah. You know, I'm going to move on quickly, you know. Um, but, of course, there's a lot of planning taking place behind the scenes. We're going to take a few weeks to look at what we call felt needs. Felt needs. And you may remember that uh, last week... Um, there was a survey gone out, a survey to the church and also a survey to Arena Community. And thank you for people took, that took the trouble to respond to that survey. Because over the next few weeks, we're trying to craft the ministry in response to the survey. Um, and so uh, by about Wednesday, I said, Julie, we've got a feedback yet. Actually, I've got a feedback, so I've got to get this message ready. 
Um, and so, um, and so Julie gave me the feedback. It was slightly different, understandably so, between the church context and the community context, and we get all that. And today is perhaps particularly responding to the feedback we got from the church context. But there were two specific spikes in the felt need of the church. And uh, I'll come to that in a moment or two. Uh, But it was interesting that, uh, as I say, the the way in which people responded. Those two spikes, I'll mention one this morning. It was trouble in the world. Now, I've got to try and keep the congregation on board because you've come to church this morning. You've had a busy week. You've got ready this morning. You've got the kids ready. You've got every grandkids ready. You've come to church. You want to be encouraged. And now the preacher's telling you he's going to speak on trouble. Well, I'm hoping that it's going to be in such a way that it builds faith. Chris, I wonder if you could put up the verse um, that I think is right at the heart of what I want to try and communicate this morning. Psalm 46 and verse 1. Many of you will know it off by heart and have found it a blessing over the years. And if you forget everything else, perhaps you remember that this morning. But it says, God is our refuge and strength and ever-present help in trouble. I'll say it again. God is our refuge and strength and ever-present help in trouble. This psalm, Psalm 46, was written by the sons of Korah. They were a a traveling minstrel musical group. And the Holy Spirit took over over their words. And several of the psalms, Psalm 42, Psalm 43, Psalm, uh, Psalm 46... We're all inspired by the Spirit of God through this musical group called the Sons of Korah. It's interesting that even then, several thousand years ago, there was a reference to trouble. Trouble that perhaps brought insecurity and distress and challenge. And this morning, by God's help, for a moment or two, in the context of felt needs, I'm going to make a few comments about feelings. I'm going to make a few comments about troubles. And then we're going to come back to Psalm 46, verse 1, to close the service. So felt needs. Firstly, a few comments about feelings. I don't know whether you were that person when you became a Christian, and somebody prayed for you and prayed what we call the sinner's prayer, and you felt that God had just come to your life. And then there was this piece of advice. Remember, it's faith that counts, not feelings. I understand why that was said And it's true, but not entirely so. You see, the danger is in the cause of faith that we extinguish, deny, and suppress any feltness to our journey of following God. But the Bible says that we are body, soul, and spirit. And at the very depth of our soul, God has given us an ability to feel. Emotion. Paul mentioned compassion. The word literally means to feel it in your innards. Happiness. Sorrow. Joy. Grief. And friends, when we try and stop all of these things, it's little wonder at times that people look on at the church and see joyless and expressionless. Okay to wave your hands on a Saturday afternoon when your team scores. But not on Sunday morning. Whoa, whoa. We're in church. The church becomes cold and clinical. 
and seems to add to the point that many people make out there that it's boring. Well, the Psalms, right in the middle of the Bibles, 150 of them, they really are songs. And down the history of the church, many people have brought their worship to God simply by singing the Psalms, and at times unaccompanied. And the Psalms give full expression to the extravagant, emotional expression, not only of the spirit, but of the soul. Bless the Lord, O oh my soul, and all that is within me, right from the depths of our being. If you read the Psalms carefully, you will also know that there are a number of what I define as heart cries, where the writer found themselves in trouble. And they cried out to God. They vented their spleen before the presence of God as things came and pressed upon them. Of course we don't want to be defined in our Christian journey by our feelings. Because the danger is then that it's, oh, I feel good, I feel bad, I feel good. Of course we don't want to be defined by our feelings, but to deny them is crass. Christianity is something felt. Christianity is something that pours out from the depth of our being. And when issues come, particularly hard issues of life, and they go to the very depths of our soul and we feel it, it's okay. It's okay. Then what about troubles? Well, the definition of trouble, to disturb calm and contentment, to cause pain or discomfiture, to agitate, to inconvenience. The subject of trouble and wrong and pain and suffering is huge. Theologians and philosophers and commentators have spent a lifetime wrestling with it. And I'm nervous this morning. Then in around 30 minutes, friends, we won't do it justice. So please hear me carefully because anything I've said is not meant to be trite. It's not meant to be unfeeling. But I want to try and make a few comments about trouble. Number one, trouble on occasions is explainable. You see, if you go against life principles... If you defy the law by continually driving on the wrong side of the roads, if you abuse your body, if you continually live in conflict, you are heading for trouble. And the Bible says that this is described as sin. It's not a popular word nowadays, but I don't find anywhere in the Bible where it's been extinguished. And one of the ways that sin is described in the Bible, in the epistle of John, chapter 5, the letter of John, is that sin is lawlessness. Here's the truth. If you live your life close enough to the edge of the cliff, long enough, without a fence in place, don't be surprised if eventually you fall over and hit the rocks below. Some trouble, friends, is explainable. And he's called doing wrong in the eyes of the Lord. You see, all sin starts out as fun. It seems fun to take that tablet to give you a high until you're dependent upon it. It seems fun to get smashed out of your mind to forget the troubles of the week until you can't live without a drink. It seems fun to spice up your love life by going into an illicit affair until it all comes out and the carnage in terms of relationships is strewn out before you. It all starts as fun. The Bible describes sin as the pleasures of sin. But listen, for a season. Remember the prodigal son of Luke 15. Oh, what a fun time he had until he got no money left. 
And then he had no friends also. You see, wrong draws a consequence. The wages of sin is death. Let me give you two or three examples. I'm going to be quite candid, forgive me. Yesterday was October the 31st. It was mayhem on our street last night. Absolute mayhem. And it worries me. It worries me. The third most celebrated day festival now in our nation behind Christmas and Easter is October the 31st, Halloween. I don't want to give it more credit than it's due, but it suffices me, friends, that when I see women walking down the street yesterday dressed as witches, when I see people sort of celebrating death, that's not what I'm called to. My Bible says I'm called to walk in the light, not in the dark. 280 million pounds was spent in sorry, 280 million pounds was spent in retail over the last few weeks to celebrate a day that revels in darkness and death. I was listening to the radio this week as I was driving around, and it was what the irony was lost on the humanist that was denying the supernatural when he went on to say he enjoyed celebrating Halloween. How about that? And then somebody else said, well, some of this comes from Christian mythology. Let me tell you, that's an oxymoron. It's a complete contradiction. Christianity is not a myth. It's the truth. Mess with that long enough, you get trouble. Here's a report from the 7th of September in the national press. In the last two years in schools, there have been 5,500 sex attacks. An educational commentator says this is the fruit of pornography. Friends, we keep stripping away from our kids the innocence of childhood. Guess what? You're going to get trouble. And there's been a lot of websites hacked lately. And forgive me, you know, I'm sometimes saying to Sherry, you know, that's why I still like pen and paper. <laughs> Never mind all my details going on websites. <coughs> And if, we, if, we, if you were with Talk Talk, there's a counselling session at the end of it. <laughs> but maybe this one missed you. The Ashley Madison website. It's a website, friends, where you sign up to a commitment to adultery. 37 million people across the globe are on this website... Secrecy seemed great until somebody hacked into the computer and all the names were made public. You get trouble. Sad to say, friends, that out of that revelation there's been divorces already. There's been suicides. And there's been mayhem in terms of people trying to find a way forward. Some trouble is explainable. And the passion of this church is that the gospel of Jesus would cause people out of Doing things that are going to cause trouble in their life, darkness into light. What about trouble that's inevitable? You see, we pray, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And we need to pray increasingly with a passion. But the Bible also tells us in Romans 8 that the creation is groaning and always will. It tells us, friends, that we live between two gardens of Genesis and Revelation. Where there was perfection and there will be perfection. But we're very aware that nowadays there's thorns and roses in the garden. It's called life. Job 5, 7 says, man's been born to trouble as the sparks fly upward. Well, that's a verse for you to get hold of. 
Matthew 6.34, the words of Jesus, don't worry about tomorrow because each day has enough trouble of its own. John 16.53, Jesus again, in this world you will get trouble. The reality is, friends, we live in a fallen world. We live in a broken world. Things go wrong. Cars crash into each other. Uh, your car doesn't start in the morning. Your keys get sort of lost in, and you can't get in. All sorts of things go wrong. It's just life. Yeah. We're between perfections. One day, no more sorrow, time, crying, yeah. mourning or tears because the former things yeah. will have passed away, but not yet. And then this one. Trouble sometimes is unpredictable. Inexplicable, unexplainable. So a health challenge, right out of the blue. You went into work on Monday and you weren't sure if you got a job on Friday. A relationship that goes wrong. An unexpected bill. And so we could go on. All the stuff of life that comes right out of the blue. Let me give you a couple of examples of this that have come into our area office via Julie and me over the last couple of weeks. I won't mention any names or any geographical references for the purpose of the podcast. But simply to say that one of our pastors rang up the other three weeks ago. His little boy had a temperature. Four years of age. Doctor GP says, just take him to the hospital. He says, you'll have to stay there all day. It'll probably be a waste of time, but at least you'll have some reassurance at the end of it. Because they'll do some tests. By the end of the day, they found out the little lad had got leukemia. Trouble. Somebody that lives in the north of the country that's pioneering a great pioneer church in a, in a great city, part of my mentoring group, rang me and, and then also shared something with friends on website. In the, his wife, in her 30s, no health issues, goes to the doctors, diagnosed with non-Hodgkinson's lymphoma. Of course, these things come to us, friends, and the big question that we all wrestle with, and it's okay to ask it, why? 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 And as a pastor, friends, I've stopped trying to come up with slick, thoughtless answers to why, other than ultimately knowing that he is always the answer. He is always the answer. Then what about trouble global? ISIS, Syria, Israel, Russia, Ukraine, cyber attacks, financial insecurity, people movements of tens of thousands across Europe, this country, this, this summer. Little babies being scraped off beaches that didn't make it. Wow. I said the point two or three weeks ago, it's difficult sometimes watching the six o'clock news. Trouble. And at times it can seem daunting and seek to sow seeds of doubt and fear in our hearts. And what about spiritual trouble? Job was a righteous man, but he had great tests of faith. David walked in integrity, but sadly his integrity was breached and the consequences were devastating. Jeremiah was a prophet who felt it. He was called the weeping prophet. He wept before the people. He longed that they turned to God and find repentance. And he got thrown into a pit for his pains. Paul and Silas set somebody free. Great irony in Acts 16. They set somebody free and then they got put in prison for setting somebody free. And at midnight they sang praises to God and God gave a mighty 
deliverance. All these people were devoted followers of God. Open Doors, one of the most credible organizations in the earth regarding the persecuted church. I'd encourage you to perhaps visit their website on occasions because they don't exaggerate or overhand situations. But they confront us with the, the, the reality, friends, that people that believe the same gospel, the same Jesus, the same faith as us around the world, simply for that reason, face trouble. There are over 70 nations in the earth. That's one third of the nations of the earth. Where it, your freedom in some way is impeded because you're a believer. You won't be surprised if I list the top five nations in the earth where it's dangerous to be a Christian. It starts with North Korea. <clears throat> Thank God we've got believers in North Korea. Only God's. The most closed nation in the earth. Just celebrated its <coughs> 75th anniversary of the People's Republic. Somalia comes second, Iraq third, Syria four, and Afghanistan five. I say it carefully, friends, but in the 21st century, there is modern-day martyrdom taking place for the cause of Jesus. There are people that are being displaced from their homes. There are church buildings that are being burned down. Trouble. For no other reason than owning the same Jesus as we do this morning and wanting to worship him in spirit and in truth. I hope you're not weighed down by all this. But clearly, we do not go looking for trouble. That would be crazy. And not all of us are in trouble all of the time. If you are living a trouble-free life this morning, right. But here's the point of humanity. There are occasions, even though, and because we're a Christian, that we may face trouble. So how do we respond to all that? How do we respond to trouble that is explainable? How do we respond to trouble that is inevitable? How do we respond to trouble very difficult when it's unpredictable or global or spiritual? Well, we come back to our verse. Psalm 46, verse 1. God is our refuge and strength, an ever-present help in trouble. See, I'm a believer, friends, unabashed, unashamed, believer in Jesus. I'm a believer before I'm a leader. I'm a believer before I'm a speaker. I'm a believer before I'm a preacher. And I believe that the Bible says that his word endures forever. In every situation, friends, there's always a word. There's always a word. And I encourage us today, as we try and respond to this felt needs that we feel keenly on occasions of trouble in the earth that comes crouching at the very door of our lives at times to run to the enduring word, the anchor word for our lives. Because then it means that we're not defined by feelings. We live in overcoming faith. God is our refuge and strength, an ever-present help in times of trouble. Five bullet points to conclude the message. Number one, God. Character. God. It all starts with God. If you remember when we talked about the Living on Purpose series, we unashamedly said, along with Christians all across the earth, that we believe 
that you cannot find real purpose in life if you push God out of your life. We believe that God entered this world in Jesus Christ to come and give us a purpose. And if you've never found that relationship with a loving, living God in Jesus, there's an opportunity at the end of the service to respond. God, right in the midst of the situation, all-powerful, all-knowing, ever-present, the theological words, omnipotent, omniscient, omnipresent, God who is loving and compassionate and gracious and patient and holy and, yes, jealous over his people and righteous and true. God is the one that we come to. And his character, friends, can be trusted again and again and again and again. Number two, certainty. God is. No ifs. No buts. No might be's. God is. God is. You may not feel it at times, but God is right with you. God is coming to you as we approach this festive season of the year. One of the truths that we think about a lot is that God is with us. Emmanuel is with us. Number three, comfort. God is our refuge and strength. Our refuge and strength. There's a verse in Proverbs that says the name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous one to it. And they are safe. There used to be a great action song to that. Which we won't sing this morning. Proverbs 18.10. Take it with you this morning. The name of the Lord. All the names of God. They're all in that prayer booklet. All the names of Jehovah God. Let them wash over you. The name of the Lord is a strong tower. And when we run to it. We're safe. He's our refuge and strength. In Philippians chapter 4, it talks about us joying and then praying. And it it, it talks about uh, uh, the peace of God being a garrison around our life. And there are still towns in this nation today that are called garrison towns. Or Aldershot being one, Colchester being another. Wall around. It, it, It was something that pushed back on the enemy in the past. And I want us all to go away today, friends, whatever our situation. And you'll be at the beginning. I don't want to undervalue the situation that you may be in. Please don't hear me as being trite or superficial this morning. I really don't want to do that. But whatever your situation today, to go from this meeting, running to the strong tower and knowing that there's a garrison, there's a surround around you that the enemy cannot penetrate or get through. Number four, continuity. God is our refuge and strength and ever-present help. No clocking off. No watching the time. No saying it's me day off. God's ever-present. 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 And fifthly, the context. The context, friends, is trouble. God is our refuge and strength and ever-present help. In trouble. I know God this morning, friends, is not asking any of us to look for trouble. And if you found trouble because of the way that you live, you need to turn away from it. It's called repentance and find God. But God's also saying that I understand at times people of faith have to navigate seasons of trouble. 
And he's always there. He's always there. If you read verse 2, it starts with the therefore. And you'll know that one of the great pieces of theology that have been signed to Arena Church over the years is this. Courtesy of one of my very old lecturers at Bible College, now in heaven, John Carter, Mr. John Carter. If there's a therefore in the Bible, you've got to look what it's there for. And verse 2 gives the answer to verse 1. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear. We will not fear. The Bible says that fear brings torment. And the fear of man, the fear of the enemy, would seek to inhibit us, undermine us, destabilize us, Causes to panic and stress. The perfect love casts out all fear. And uh, we need to just be reminded this morning that in response to verse 1, there's an answer in verse 2. Therefore, we will not fear. I've wrestled with this message over the last three days. Because the last thing I want to do is to send Arena Church out the door this morning. I want us to go out with a new leap of faith, friends. I don't have to guess this morning. I don't even need to have a revelation word to understand that as a congregation gathers in a real world, there are people this morning that have brought trouble to the meeting. Some of it might be your fault, but much of it not. Maybe even this week, you've walked into something that was completely out of the blue. You feel it. You feel it. You feel it. God says this morning, he's our refuge and strength and ever-present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear. My passion this morning, friends, as we bring the message and the service to a conclusion, is that you'll go out the door, not fearful, not frightened, not worried about the future. And please don't try and track everything that takes place every week with, is the Lord coming this week? You'll, you'll, you'll give yourself a migraine. All right. He's got it all sorted out. I was talking to one pastor and the previous pastor in his church. It was like every week the meeting sort of tracked the news headlines. And everybody was exhausted. He's coming, friends. Don't try and second guess it. Been in the last day since Acts, Acts chapter 2. We're closer, clearly. But don't try and sort of panic yourself. He knows. Live in the light of his coming this week. And take light wherever you are. Don't fear. Don't let anything define you of the kingdom of darkness when God has called you to live in the light. And rest right in the core of your soul. Right within the felt need of navigating trouble. Not in fear, but in faith. Faith that's not defined by feelings, but understands it. And then we can prevail. Let's pray. We're going to sing a closing song in a moment and draw the service to a conclusion. But just before we do that, just before we do that, we're going to pray. And we have 
good people around the church that are willing just to hand some literature out to you that will help you on this journey of faith. I'm going to pray two prayers this morning. Number one, you've come to church this morning. You don't know lots about it, but there's something in your heart that's just pulling you towards God. God's love. God's amazing. God's passionate about your life, finding a destiny and a purpose. God wants you to be forgiven. So this morning, if you've never become a believer, we determine on a regular basis in faith in Arena Church to ask people to respond to God. You've never become a believer. There has to be a starting point, a defined time where we step into what God has got for us. Maybe the trouble in your life with respect this morning is your fault. You've lived your life on the wrong side of the road too long. You've strayed over the cliff edge. Say, I'm so sorry, God. I need to get it right. I I want to be restored. The amazing thing this morning is that God wants to restore you. He wants to make you completely whole. He wants to forgive you. So it's as if those things never happened. He said, Phil, will you just pray for me this morning? I want to become a believer. I want to follow Jesus. I've messed up. I don't really know how to start, but I've got trouble. And I need help. And you'd like me to pray for you this morning. All I'm going to do is just ask you to put your hand up. Nobody else is looking. We're not going to ask you to come to the front or pray or say anything. Will you pray for me this morning? Anybody like to be prayed for? Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Anybody else this morning like to thank you? There's hands going up. And this morning we thank you, Father, for people responding in faith to Jesus. That you will come into their trouble, Lord, and lift them. As you've said in the Bible, that you'd lift us out of the miry clay, the mud, and put us on a rock in Jesus' name. Now this morning, I'm saying this sincerely, believers across the room, for whatever reason, there's some trouble. You can't understand it. You've come this morning saying, why? It's okay to say why. It's okay. God's not pushed back by you saying why. You felt it right in the inner core of your being. Felt need. You felt guilty because you felt it, but it's okay. But this morning in faith, you say, Phil, will you just pray for me? It's a brother, a sister, a son, a daughter. It's that work situation. It's that boss. It's that situation that seems as though it just keeps... There's no hope. It's a mountain in front of me. There seems no way through. I'm going to pray. I'm going to pray in faith, friends. I'm going to pray in faith in response to the word that God will begin to become your refuge and help, an ever-present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear. If you'd like to be included in that prayer this morning, then again, will you just raise your hand? I'll pray for you. Say, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Anybody else? Thank you. We're at the front and there. Thank you. Anybody else this morning? Thank you. Thank you. What if we can stand, friends, and then the band are going to lead us in the last song. If you're able to stand, I'd like us just to really embrace a spirit of faith right now as we pray numbers of people that have responded 